are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And today we have just me and Dave. And so we're going to talk about a number of things. You will hear from Craig and Hank a little later, of course. They're going to weigh in on a few shows. Uh, they're going to talk about We Are Lady Parts, the new Dexter and Just Like That, which is the sequel to Sex in the City, and uh, a show that sounds great, and I'm still going to check out called Landscapers. Uh, but we're going to talk about a book that we read called The Labyrinth. Uh, this is by Simon Stallenhog. We're going to spend some time talking about that, and then uh, later on in the episode, Dave's going to walk us through some of the music that didn't make his top 20 this year simply because they're remixes. They're not technically new music. Yeah, yeah. I gotta be I gotta be nerdy like that. If these songs weren't like released for the first time, there was enough good music in 2021 to pick 20 albums of brand new stuff we've never heard before. But also lots of good stuff that maybe we had sort of heard before. Fair enough. All right. As you were compiling your top 20 of music, I've been compiling my top 20 of books, uh, graphic novels primarily. Mm -hmm. And I found that most of the books that I really loved this year weren't really true graphic novels. They're not okay. novels per se, but they're ones that maybe stretch the form a little bit. And in pursuing my list, I came across this little baby, mm. The Labyrinth, which I wouldn't have picked up for myself other than um, one of my favorite file customers ordered it in. So I ordered in an extra just on the strength of that. Cool. And I really love it. Um, it's different. It's called The Labyrinth. It's by Simon Stallenhag. And I've never read any of his other stuff before, but I am absolutely going to try to track some of it down. He's written Electric State and Tales from the Loop, uh, the most recently books that he's released. It also has an accompanying soundtrack, which from my research seems to indicate that he also composed that music as well. It sounds a lot like Arrival. Triple threat. I mean, it's rare to find a writer who illustrates their own books the way he does, but then to add the layer of soundtracking it with his own sort of synthy compositions. Triple threat. Totally. Now, this is a different book. I wouldn't call it a graphic novel. I would call it a storybook. It like it has beautiful artwork. Some that is so remarkably real but dreamy that you would swear that it's a photograph. Yeah, this is it's kind of like an illustrated novella where you get like there's almost more emphasis on the illustration than there is on the text. But they're used in combination with each other in some really interesting ways. Ways that I'm not really sure we've really seen before. He's kind of on to expanding the form into new territory here. I found it reminiscent of the work of Ashley Wood. Uh, Ashley Wood is an incredible illustrator. Always does these amazing futuristic scenes with lots of robots and stuff. And actually the storytelling style of it with like text juxtaposed against like full pictures is very much his style as well but I think Simon is a better writer than Ashley is. Well you got to be a pretty good writer to make the post-apocalyptic form interesting in 2021 because we've seen that done a lot of times. It's handled a little differently here. There's a certain mystique to it. 
he, he's it's it's definitely the writing is good enough to hold up on its own but then once you layer these amazing illustrations over top of it usually you get one leaf of the book with text one leaf of the book with illustration sometimes there are moments where the illustration just completely takes over but i you know i would have enjoyed reading this with no visual ex accents whatsoever it's 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 still a good enough story that yeah. way I agree. I don't want to tell too much about what this is about because I like how it unfolds and as you discover the world along with these characters. Hard to talk about plot here without spoilers for sure. Basically, but it does take place in the future where something bad has happened and there's two adults and a child. And you kind of discover what their relationships are with each other, etc. And it's amazing. I really, really enjoyed just letting the story come to me. Yeah. And the the illustrations, again, I can't stress enough just how lovely they are and how dreamlike they are. Well, and we're used to looking at illustrations in books where the accompanying text matches with the image that we're looking at. So if we're being given a visual description in text of something, the accompanying illustration will match that visual image, which is not what happens in the labyrinth most of the time. I would kind of liken it to walking through a museum from a certain historical era while somebody who's an expert on that era is talking to you but they're not necessarily talking about the exhibit that you're looking at at that moment so but after you've seen the entire exhibit everything comes together and it all makes sense and it all you know is cohesive yeah if this weren't so dark i think it would be a really rewarding reread maybe i will reread it at some point but it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster and that's from a guy who criticizes a lot of stuff for not being dark enough <laughs> well i will definitely reread this because i feel like i didn't give it enough time going through it the first time and it is literally dark like the tone and the colors are very very muted and dark and so sometimes it's hard to see I think I need to read it in a better lit room but I will absolutely even just as a coffee table book just flip through and look at the art even if I'm not rereading the story in its totality I, I loved it I really like this book well yeah I hear you confessing on air here that you read this with less than perfect lighting which takes a little bit of weight out of your argument that every single illustration in here is actually done by hand by an artist because there are there are a couple of pages in here that look so realistic to me I'm not convinced that they're not actually photographs. I believe that they are all original artwork and I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about that one panel where it's like an old telephone with a crummy old sticker stuck to it. Uh -huh. And I had a really good, I took my glasses off and had a real eyeball to this thing to get a good look at it. And but I you did this real. in less than ideal lighting okay. and then you're on record. <laughs> Having, having said that. Okay, I'm going to do some further research to prove my point that it is, in fact, a drawing. And, the, and this, this image that I'm showing you right now that our listeners can't see of, like, a filthy pork-encrusted skillet, you're, you're telling me that that's a, that's a hand-painted illustration and not a photograph? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think that it is, in fact, drawn. It, some artists are, like, the realism is boggling how beautiful and perfect. It, I mean, be. if that is a hand-drawn or painted illustration, then it's definitely done by somebody with remarkable talent. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. 
all I'm going to say is pick this book up if you can. Have a look. Um, and if not, have a look at the uh, at, at YouTube because the soundtrack, some of the tracks are posted there. And there are accompanying pictures that come from the graphic novel. Yeah, so that's a good way in. How, how do people find that on YouTube? What's the fastest? Uh, just put in The Labyrinth by Simon Stalinhag. S-T-A-L-E-N-H-A-G. And maybe we'll uh, get a chance to hear a little bit of that uh, at the end of the show if you don't take it over with some of the music that you want to talk about later. I'll try, I'll try to be efficient. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll throw things over to Hank and Craig right now. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the songs and artists that did not quite make your top 20 this year. Hey everybody, it's Craig Silifant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I'm joined as always by my good buddy Hank Cruz. Hank, how's it going, man? I'm embarrassed, Craig. Why I'm is that? Why? Because allegedly in July, this awesome television show was released, and I didn't really hear about it. I didn't really know much about it until I started compiling my best uh, television of 2021. Then I went on the old internets to see what everybody else was saying. And all of a sudden, the show called We Are Lady Parts showed up on like everybody's list. I'm like, what is this show? And what are you talking about? So I'm like, well, I don't even think we get that show here. Uh, it's all lies. I'm, I let myself down. I let you down. I let the, the world down because everybody cares what I think. And oh my God. <laughs> so this show was, uh, it's from England, but in the States, uh, Peacock took it and said it's a Peacock original. You can uh, get it on the, like the global TV app is where I watched it. So Global's got it. Uh, but it's called We Are Lady Parts. Uh, season one has already, uh, um, like everybody loves it. Season two has been confirmed. So we know there's another one, but it is uh, where a husband hunting Amina, who is the lead character, agrees to play with an all-female Muslim punk band despite her vomit-inducing performance panic uh, because anytime she has to perform anything, uh, she vomits violently. Um, and that's so, uh, then, whoa, ah, there's vomit everywhere. Uh, and she uh, also has a fear of backlash from the Muslim community and her conservative friends because they wouldn't understand that she's in this band because, well, women shouldn't be uh, playing in music to start with. And then in the right. punk band. Oh, oh. So I would say that it is a perfectly written and acted dramedy that rips apart stereotypes, showcasing rebel women who still hold on to their faith, come for the comedy, but stay for the songs like Voldemort Under My Headscarf, my new favorite song, Voldemort Under My Headscarf. I gave it a 99 out of 100. Uh, again, you can find it on the Global TV app. It's a Peacock original, but also if you get BBC, it's like a BBC4 thing. Um, you, you need to watch it. Everything about it is great. Perfect casting. Uh, the music is awesome. The story is awesome. I think it's fresh. It is fun. You, you just watch it. It's uh, my favorite show of the year. Favorite show of the year. Nice. Yeah, I think I saw a trailer for it like a long a long time back, but I just never, I never stumbled across the show uh, since then. Obviously a little bit harder to find maybe than uh, unless you have that global TV app, but uh, it sounds very interesting. I like the, I like the idea of like taking those fresh, yeah, you know, we've seen that movie a lot of times before, but not told in this uh, specific way. Yeah. So that sounds interesting. And there's even a, uh, a part where, uh, so the lead character, Amina, she wants to be in an arranged marriage. She wants to go out and find a husband and she's getting her parents like, help me find a husband. 
where her parents, on the other hand, are the ones, especially her mom's like, you know, you don't really have to do it this way. Like, why don't you just go have fun? And you don't have to go and like, how about you marry for love, you know? And then she's like, mom, we can't do that. I'm like, what are you talking? It was just amazing. You got to watch it. And um, for uh, everybody who listens to us, uh, which I'm sure is at least millions of people, we've talked about the new Dexter already, uh, Dexter New Blood. If you haven't started watching it, OMG. Two episodes ago, the cliffhanger is like, what? But this week, the cliffhanger? <laughs> you need to watch it. I, uh, it. It's good. It's good. There was a few episodes that you're like, eh, it's getting kind of boring. Like, what's happening? But now? <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you haven't started, you got to watch it. You okay, that's good. I'm, I'm actually two episodes behind, and I'm right in that phase of like, I don't know. This isn't really... It's kind of spinning its wheels and not going anywhere. So I'll push oh, forward. Those places now. <laughs> I'll, I'll push forward. So I watched a show called And Just Like That, which is the, I guess, the sequel to Sex and the City. Uh, I just watched the one episode, the first episode, and I think there's been a couple so far that have dropped. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers here, but uh, if you've been paying attention to the news this week uh, a little bit, there was obviously a big thing with Peloton, the the uh, exercise bike company or whatever they do, uh, and their product was used in the show, and uh, there were sort of disastrous results. And uh, but they've had a pretty good sense of humor about it since then. So I, I know I know I'm talking in circles here, but I can't really say too much about it. Uh, so really, like we find Carrie Bradshaw, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, uh, you know, in modern times now, still in New York City uh, with her. Uh, well, two of her best friends, Kim Cattrall, did not come back to the show. So Samantha has been written off to be in London somewhere and they've had some kind of falling out. And she's like trying to be on this podcast and, you know, they're just all kind of older and in their fifties or so and, and sort of experiencing life like that. Now, you know, they had a couple of really bad movies, but I think if you go back far enough, you know, that show is actually pretty groundbreaking and pretty good. So, you know, I was hoping that it would have some quality so far. The first episode, I was like, it's garbage. It's like, I mean, I will say at least they're acknowledging that some black people might live in New York now. So there are a couple of characters on the show that aren't just like Lily White. But um, it was weird even like Carrie suddenly is a prude. Like she's on this like podcast is one of the plot lines. And like they're they're kind of asking sexual questions and stuff like that. And she gets all weird and prudish about it. I'm like, didn't you used to write a sex column? It's like so it just it needs her to be this way for the plot. And so it sort of twists a character that we know. It's just cheap writing. Uh, And then even on this podcast, even the show itself, it's trying so hard to be woke, which is fine. Like, hey, I'm it's interesting to tell those stories, especially especially in that world. But it's like there's one plot line where Miranda is going to take some class and she like just can't stop herself from saying racist things to this black professor asking her about her hair and stuff. And I'm like, they live in New York City. They should like it's the first thing you don't ask a a black lady is like, you know, about her hair and can I touch your hair and all this stuff? You know, it's just, you just don't do that. She should know that cheap writing. And then Carrie's on this podcast, like I say. And so the podcast has this uh, host who is a non-binary person. uh, And then it's supposed to be this sort of round table of different views, but it's basically one non-binary lesbian as the host. And then Carrie Bradshaw represents the like cisgender white women. And then Bobby (laughs) Lee plays a character that basically represents the cisgender men. And he, he starts telling jokes like he's Louis CK, like, 
I don't want to get too graphic here on the show, but like just talking about like, you, you could really see Louis CK making some of these like comments that he makes. And I'm just like, how is this, how is this woke at all? This is stupid. So anyway, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's not very good. I'll just say that I may watch another episode just to like give it a chance. And I'm sure my wife will want to watch it because she was a fan of the original show, but you know, overall, I'm going to say I'll, I'll probably watch one more episode and then dump it. It's, it's, it's not good quickly. It's got a couple seconds here left, but I should mention landscapers. It's an HBO show. It's inspired by real events, the story of mild-mannered Susan and her husband and how they came to kill Susan's parents and bury them in the back garden of their home in England. It was a crime that remained undiscovered for over a decade. So Olivia Coleman plays Susan and David Thewlis plays her husband, Christopher. And, uh, you know, so based on that alone, those two people and that concept, I was like, hey, this is going to be awesome. I got to say, I know you watched the first episode too, but the first episode was sort of chronologically confusing. Like it was almost trying to be too fancy and, and use a lot of narrative tricks that it didn't really need to. I think it could have just told the story. So I've only watched the one episode. I know you bailed and probably aren't going to go back. I'll probably watch episode two and see if it smooths out a bit. Again, just based on the strength of Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis, two uh, of my favorite British actors. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll update everybody on that. But uh, so far, I'd say Landscapers was not much of a hit either. Uh, but we'll go from there. If, if you got 10 seconds, what would you want to say about it? That it might be more interesting if, if the show was actually about landscapers and we just watched <laughs> them like garden and help people in their backyard. <laughs> hey, Olivia Coleman gardening. I'd watch that yeah, show. Like okay, we got to throw back to Jody here, but uh, I like that. Okay, uh, everybody have a good uh, have a good weekend. All right. Thank you, fellas. So, Dave, who did not make your top 20 this year simply because technically it didn't come out this year, even though it, like, it was released this year, but the music was made prior? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I will include a remix album as part of my you know, top 20 albums of the year, which is a list that I make just to sort of keep my vinyl purchasing expenditures in check i think if i'm buying more than 20 new pieces of vinyl a year i might be going a little overboard but that's okay. like a number i'm comfortable with i guess i'll start by talking about a remix album of an album that came out in 2020 by a, a band called jaga jazzist who are a scandinavian group of musicians if, if you're listening to just about any music coming out of Scandinavia right now, one of the eight members of Jagged Jazzist is probably involved in it in some way. They have a lot of side projects that they get involved with, but they play together and record together as an eight-piece band with many different instruments entering into the mix. And their album, Pyramid, that came out last year, uh, a great four-track album, two songs each on two sides of vinyl, was one of my favorites of last year. The track Epic, uh, sorry, Apex, that came out, uh, that was that was the, the fourth track on that album, was one of my favorite tracks of last year. And the tracks from that album have been remixed by a host of, uh, you know, electronic music producers. And kind of reinvigorated an already really good album but the real highlight on that one is that uh that song that track apex is remixed by uh lindstrom and prince thomas who, who yeah who don't really put out any bad material at all there's another prince thomas remix on the same album but 
that Lindstrom and Prince Thomas remix of the track Apex. It just sort of takes a track that I thought was already perfect and makes it better. So even though I, I can't put that remix album on my favorite albums of 2021, it definitely deserves an honorable mention. As does the Krungbin album, Mordecai. They get a lot of mileage out of having their music remixed, and I think Krungbin are enjoying kind of a renaissance right now where they're they're really popular and, and squeezing every drop of content out of that popularity that they can. So they've done this before with dub versions and remix versions of their previous albums. Their latest album, Mordecai, came out in 2020. The remix version is also solid. It's, it's true to the sound of the band. It doesn't try to mess with what they're doing too much. Just kind of adds a little bit more up-tempo drum work and things like that. So it's, it's a new way to reimagine and re-experience these songs. Kind of like uh, the album Source by Nubaya Garcia, who is a tenor saxophone player that definitely deserves some attention if you're not familiar with her work. Her album Source that came out last year, which mixes a lot of like Latin and Caribbean sounds with traditional jazz music, has also been remixed by a host of artists, um, which I, I don't feel comfortable putting that on my, my top 20 because it's all songs that we got to hear in, in, in 2020. But in 2021, uh, the, the remix album of her album, Source, is just another up-tempo presentation of the same great songs. And it really, I, I think both of those albums are people that, you know, if you want to hear a great tenor sax player, Nubaya Garcia, stream her stuff, watch her band performing on YouTube. She's got a great Tiny Desk concert that's a good mm. introduction to what she's about. The last album that I want to mention is not really a remix album. It's a live album by one of my favorite young artists, Archie Marshall, otherwise known as King Cruel, whose tour in support of uh, his most recent album, Man Alive, were some of the last live shows before live shows were no longer a possibility. So during the tour in support of Man Alive, Archie Marshall, AKA King Cruel, was recording material, possibly to be re released as a live album, but possibly just for his own posterity. And then when, you know, the complications of playing live shows made that kind of an impossibility and certainly complicated the logistics of, of playing or even rehearsing with a live band, which I think is maybe why there were so many great remixes in 2021, because musicians were just kind of pushed in that direction to remain productive and creative. So this Live King Cruel album is all songs that we've heard on Archie Marshall's albums before, but you can tell they've been played live to the point where they've kind of evolved beyond the studio versions that fans of his music might already be familiar with hearing. So, like the best live albums always do, uh, this King Cruel live album that came out in 2021 kind of reinvigorates some of these songs that fans that listen to Archie a lot, like I do, sometimes you just need to hear a refreshed version. And it's a really great live album where you can hear him interacting with the crowd. It's also kind of a sentimental favorite for me because if I had been able to travel to see a live show anytime over the last 
like 20 months or so. This His show in Toronto was one that I would have probably found a way to get to one way or another. So I sort of felt like you heat me up, you cool me down was a way to maybe hear what I missed out on. But I still think that anybody who's interested in his music and maybe looked at the track listing on this live album and thought, well, this is all material that I've heard before. Yeah, maybe give that a second thought. Maybe you maybe you haven't heard it before. There's some songs that we've become really familiar with the studio versions and hearing them be reinvigorated live after they've been played dozens of times for live audiences kind of breathes a little bit of new life into them. You might hear some new wrinkles that you hadn't heard before. And I think that makes those four albums worth an honorable mention for 2021, even though none of them really contain songs that weren't released before. Fair enough. Well, those are all good picks, and they're great albums. And we'll see if we can fit in a little bit of this music here at the end of the show. I'm not sure what we'll pick yet, so that'll be a pleasant surprise. So we'll head out with that, but... Mark your calendar. Next Friday is Christmas Eve. So we'll have a very special presentation for you and you can give yourself the Christmas gift of tuning into Punch Radio. So in the meantime, keep your dukes up.
Thank you.